And now, sifting through the static with your host, Justin Brenner. Hey, at least Platinum. We are live today with Marty Marion for part two of our uh, e-commerce price anchoring. This is part two of a multi-step series that Marty's been gracious enough to uh, put on for us that we're very, very excited for. Um, could be six or more. We'll see how much we get done, but we're planning for somewhere between what, Marty, six to 10 series. I think we're going to go try to do a session every week. Um, you know, the world of e-commerce is very complicated. Everybody out there who's doing anything in e-com knows how complicated it is, right? Everybody oversimplifies it. Sure. We'll put up a website. We'll sell our products. We'll price them. We'll put them on sale. We'll send out emails, upsells, cross-sells, you know, all usual suspects. But there are companies out there that, you know, do okay. And there are companies out there that absolutely crush it. Why? What's the difference? Is the product that much better? Not really. Is the product in that much more demand? Yeah, maybe there's some differences, but there's a, certainly a difference between a company that's doing four figures a month and six or seven figures a month. Yeah. And what it boils down to is not always the product. It boils down to how you're marketing the product. How are you pricing the product? What tactics are you using to convince people once you get them to your website to yep. make a purchase? Right. So that's what this is all about. And, you know, as you know, Jay, I've been doing this for close to 40 years. Um, I know I don't look that anywhere near that. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, you look way older than that. <laughs> a, a, so anyway, thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed the session. Um, but you know, I think what we'll do is if we're going to do it, let's, let's do this right. I'd like to try to do a session every week yeah. and take it deeper and deeper and deeper so that by the end of this series, whether it's six or eight or 12 sessions, the people who watch this all or, or get the PDFs or watch the replays they have a really solid grounding that will help them increase not only total sales they make, but profitability, lifetime value, all the metrics that really matter that take a business yep. from being okay to being rock star. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I think you have a, give a presentation. I just might. Would you like me to share my screen and jump in? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. Well, hey, everybody, and um, welcome. It is that time of year. It's Christmas. It's Hanukkah. It's New Year's. It's Kwanzaa. It's probably about 40 other celebration holidays and i wish everybody and their families the best of everything um i called this part one even though it's really the second presentation because it's the first part of a subject we're going to get into for the next at least six sessions which is price 
anchoring. Price anchoring, in my opinion, is one of the single most important tactics that anybody in the world of e-com, anybody who's selling anything, a product, a service, consulting, an information product, price anchoring is the difference between making three, four, five figures a month to making five, six, seven figures a month from the exact same products and the exact same audiences. So if you've got your top of funnel nailed and you're driving the traffic and it's qualified traffic and there's a need for your product and it's a good quality product, you've got all the other stuff buttoned up. The difference between being this big and being this big is price anchoring. So we're going to jump into that. Um, there's a little bio about me. I've been doing this for 40 years. I was a principal and an executive of several of the world's largest advertising and marketing agencies, you know, the Madison Avenue Madman agencies. And there's a PDF that Justin will post that has my email address. If anybody gets stuck on something for this group, shoot me an email. I can't always answer it instantaneously, but I'll get you an intelligent answer. Let's jump into price anchoring. So let's start off with some definitions. To me, price anchoring is one of, if not the most powerful, but also misunderstood concepts in all of e-commerce. Even some of the biggest enterprise e-com brands that I've worked with, billion dollar brands, they get it wrong. I don't think they really think of it, to be honest with you, Marty. I mean, I work with some of those brands that you're speaking of and they don't really break it down to that level. They keep it extremely high level, but a lot of those big agencies that are spending huge amounts of money, they don't even talk. That's not even part of their scope. You know, when you get to that level, everything is scoped and their scope is to drive traffic, not necessarily do conversion rate optimization or, you know, advise on that. Yeah. Um, I think it, and that's part of, you know, the issue, or they have multiple agencies. They'll have six, seven agencies, you know, one for this, one for that, one for this, one for that, which well, is another. You know, in, in the old days, the big clients, you know, and I'm talking about the, the, the grand old days of the fifties and sixties and seventies and, you know, Madison Avenue, Ogilvy level agencies, gray advertising, all the big players. An enterprise client would hire an agency of record and that agency would do most of their work. Yeah. If the client had multiple brands, think of somebody like Procter and Gamble, right? You got 8,000 brands. You need more than one agency. Correct. But each agency would take on a portfolio of brands and do everything for that brand. All the television, all the radio, all the print, all the, right? You would think so, but it's kind of changed a lot. It's, it has changed a lot. Yeah. And in that change, a lot of the very classic tactics that worked in the heyday of grand advertising got lost. They got mm -hmm. lost because we had this thing called the internet happen. We had social media happen. We have a faster society today 
where people want things to happen right now, as opposed to let's plan that, you know, we're going to barely break even for the first six months and then we're going to trend up, right? Everybody wants, let's drive that traffic. Let's make those sales. Let's right, right now, right now, right now. Yep. And, you know, there's an old saying that speed kills. And in e-commerce, speed can kill, but one of the ways we can prevent it from killing is to use tactics like price anchoring. And the reason that even some big enterprise brands, and, and Justin, you and I have worked together on enterprise brands over the last couple of years, and even they get it wrong. Yep. So we ask, why does an enterprise brand, a billion dollar brand miss something like this? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, they're already making a lot of money and it's not a matter of life and death to have to, you know, 2X, 3X, 5X your sales because they're doing great anyway. They're the number one or two or three player in their space or they just don't get it. They don't understand. Mm-hmm. And you and I have spoken to and we've worked with clients where the light bulb goes off, right? When we say, you know, if you did this, you would increase the number of sales you make each month by 20%. Forget driving more traffic. Let's suppose you didn't drive any additional traffic. You just increased the number of sales you were making. Right. Home run. Price anchoring is one of the things that does that. So if you understand what price anchoring is from a foundation level, what is it? Why is it? How does it work? Then you can use it. And the way I like to use it is to increase the quantity of conversions that get made, meaning more sales, and the value of each sale, the average order value. And if you do those two things, it sets up your business to generate a much higher multiple of LTV, lifetime value. And at the end of the day, if you look backwards a year, two years, six years over your business life, if you can increase the gap between total LTV of all your customers and total cost of acquiring and sustaining and engaging all of those customers, the bigger that gap, the bigger your profit margin, the higher your multiple evaluation, the more profitable your company is. That's the game. So to get there and to do something right, you need to understand some of the definitions. Now let's jump in. Price anchoring is primarily used to increase overall sales, but also the immediacy of sales. How many times do you shop for something? You go to a website, you look around, you see the product, you say, well, nice, I like that, that's pretty good. Let me see what else is out there. And you go back to Google and you look at a second website or a third website and you're shopping now, you're you're price comparing. Maybe you even forgot the first website you went to. But with price anchoring done the right way, you cause something to happen in the consumer's brain. We're going to get there in a moment. 
that makes the consumer decide to make the purchase right now instead of looking for a better deal. Price anchoring also increases the value of your sales. It also contributes to a higher total LTV because when you add up all your AOVs, that gives you your LTV and so on. Nobody in this group should be, you know, having a blank stare on their face at this point. Because if you don't know the basics of this, you're already lost. But don't worry about it. We'll get you there. There are multiple factors that dictate which approach to price anchoring to increase LTV is the right one for your brand or your product or your service. And three of the most important ones are, what is the pricing tier of your product or service? Is your product in the 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, up to $50 range? Or is your product in the $200, $300, $500 range? Or is your product in the $5,000 to $10,000 product range? Makes a big difference. It's a lot easier for someone to make a decision about a $10, $20, $30 product than it is for them to make a decision about a $10,000, $20,000 product. The second factor is where does your, I'm going to use the word product, but it could include service. Where does your product sit on the spectrum of needs? Is your product something that somebody really needs, meaning it's urgent in their life, Without it, they have a real problem, or is it a nice to have, or is it just a fringe luxury? Do I really need that gold-plated coffee cup from Tiffany's? No. Would I like one? Yeah, sure. Do I really need that, you know, uh, Pepsi Rolex? No, I have a great watch, tells time. But would I really like it? Sure. So where your product sits on the spectrum of need greatly impacts the way the consumer makes their decision. If you really need something, you're going to make a faster decision. If it's a luxury item, you take a little more time. And price anchoring can help shorten that time. So there's another important reason for price anchoring. And then the third factor that really matters is what we call the replenishment cadence. If you run out of um, maple syrup, I'm making this up. If you run out of maple syrup in your house, it's the end of the world? No. You can get some more tomorrow or next week, or you can order it from, you know, one of a hundred services that deliver food these days. But if you run out of toilet paper, maybe that's a higher level of need in your household. Maybe you got four kids, right? And you just can't be out of toilet paper. Um, so the pricing tier, the level of need or desire or nice to have, 
and how often someone is likely to repurchase your product, right? Um, those three factors together help decide which of, and there are dozens, by the way, which price anchoring tactic is the best one for you to use. We're going to take a look at some. But a little more on the definition side first. So if you go to Google and you Google what is price anchoring or anything similar to that, you're going to see this come up all the time. Price anchoring is a cognitive bias. For those that don't know what that means, can you elaborate on what cognitive bias is? I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes. So I'm going to answer that question on the next slide. Okay. But I want to show something that's very interesting here. You know, they say if you ask six people the same question, you're going to get 12 different answers. Everybody's got an opinion. And many people have different opinions. Even experts have different opinions. So I did this. Actually, I pulled this slide uh, this morning. I Googled what is price anchoring. And this came up from a website called simplypsychology.org. And they're actually pretty credible. But this is a screen cap from the Google uh, SERP. Search for what are the most common cognitive biases? Google is suggesting that search. And look at this. What are the eight types of cognitive bias? What are the four cognitive biases? What are the three types of biases? You can go on and on. There's seven types, there's 10 types, there's 14 types, there's two types. The concept of cognitive bias is an absolute mess if you try to Google it. So I'm going to explain it to you the way marketers really use it at the highest levels. Cognitive bias is something that takes place inside your brain subconsciously or unconsciously. And obviously the word bias means leaning in one direction or the other, right? Are you biased? And it comes from our need as human beings to simplify the process of making decisions. We are bombarded with decisions to be made every second of every day that we're awake. What am I gonna have for breakfast? What pair of socks am I gonna wear? Uh, what email am I going to respond to first? What, who do I have to call today? What's on my schedule? Uh, what tie am I going to wear? I notice I like wearing ties. We have so many decisions to make all the time that if we don't have a shortcut to making certain types of decisions, we're going to get bogged down. So the way we make decisions as human beings is based on really three primary influencing factors. One is preconceived notions. Maybe one of my preconceived notions is that I really don't like seafood. I don't know why. Maybe I went to a seafood restaurant a couple of years ago. I got sick. I'm, I'm off seafood, right? So preconceived notion. 
my good friend Justin says, hey, let's go out to dinner tonight, Marty. I know this great seafood restaurant. Oh, no. I have a preconceived notion. It's a knee-jerk no. So that's one way we make decisions. Second way we make decisions is based on previously set perceptions, right? We believe, maybe based on a prior experience or something that we've heard or read, that um, you know a certain movie is three and a half hours long and it's really boring and oh my God, I don't wanna sit through a three and a half hour boring movie. So if you, know, you ask me out to go see that movie, I'm likely to say no, because I'm biased against being bored for three and a half hours in a movie theater. Or, and here's where this comes into play for e-commerce, an active manipulation. I'm on a website and flashing in front of my face is, and if you buy right now in the next 10 minutes, you'll save 50%. I'm being manipulated. You've, you've all seen these like, you know, click funnel countdown clocks, right? Only 30 minutes left, 29, 28, 27. Oh my God, I'm going to miss out. FOMO, right? What's that pillow guy's name? Uh, my pillow. Oh, uh, Mike Lindell. Yeah. I, like he's got to have the crappiest product, but his marketing targets people your age so well that they just buy every, I mean, it's, I don't know. But, but think about this, right? How many websites or funnels do you see? And I'm calling out click funnels, particularly that have this countdown clock on them, right? Right. Only one and a half hour, one hour and 22 minutes left for this webinar. Oh, God, I got to register or the price is going to double. I'm being manipulated. But our fear of losing out is so strong that it works. So we're being manipulated. And price anchoring is actually what I call an ethical manipulation. There are unethical manipulations. I stay away from them. I don't think you need to go there to be successful. I think that you can have a complete sense of integrity, legitimacy, and ethics, and still move your customer in the direction you want them to move, which is by nature the definition of manipulation. So in short, a cognitive bias is actually an unconscious error, and I put that in quotes purposely, in thinking that leads you to either misinterpret or too quickly interpret the rationality of how we make decisions, specifically buying decisions. I'm going to explain this. Sit tight. And I'm going to get back to this example in a minute. But let's suppose that I travel around a lot. To, I see clients. I go to clients' offices all the time. So what's one thing I really need? I need a laptop. Well, yesterday I dropped my laptop uh, outside on the floor on a concrete slab and it broke and the screen cracked and it's not repairable. I need a new laptop, right? 
a real story? No, not a real okay. story, but imagine the example. Okay. You broke your laptop and you really need one. This isn't something you can wait weeks for. You got to go out and get a new laptop because your business depends on it. Okay. If I had all the time in the world to make a decision as to which laptop I'd buy, maybe I would spend a week doing research, checking out lots of different laptops, talking to a bunch of my friends and saying, what do you think? Oh, you've got the Asus. What do you think about that? Oh, you got the new M1 from Apple. What do you think about it? Maybe I would do some more research, but you know what? I got a client meeting tomorrow morning. I'm going out right now and I'm getting a laptop. I'm going to the nearest Best Buy, buying a laptop because I have to right now. So I'm going to use cognitive bias in my decision-making. I'm not going to buy a laptop that I've never used or heard of because it's too big a chance. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't do what I need it to do. So I'm going to pick a laptop that I'm familiar with, that I know, maybe the same one I just broke, right? So I'm using cognitive bias, which is changing the way I might make a decision if only I had more time. So if we think about price anchoring as a way to make the customer think, feel, believe, and therefore behave like they need to act really quickly now, we can get them to make a purchase now instead of going away and shopping at 16 other websites. That's where price anchoring comes in. So the definition of cognitive bias is that it's, it's something that you do because your brain needs to simplify and accelerate your ability to process information quickly. It may sound surprising, but the average human being gets over 10 million bits of information per second coming into your brain. Really? This is stuff that you hear. I'm talking to you right now, so information is flying in. But while I'm talking to you, you're also kind of reading ahead a little bit, and you see that I have the word heuristics highlighted in red. So that's coming in, and you're thinking heuristics. What is that? Maybe you've got another window open, and you're typing in what is heuristics, or maybe something else in your office is, is you know, in the periphery of your vision, or you hear something going on upstairs, is my wife on the phone, is there a problem, is my kids scream? We are bombarded with information. And because of that, we need our brains to make sense of all of this information very, very quickly, or we would never get anything done. You're not sitting there staring at your drawer full of socks for 25 minutes trying to figure out what pair of socks to wear. Why? Because if it took you 25 minutes to pick out your socks, how long is it going to take you to pick out your shirt and your pants and your belt and your shoes? And the day is gone. So you need to make decisions very, very quickly. And cognitive bias is what makes that happen. But cognitive bias short circuits your ability to take what I call the proper amount of time that if you had nothing else to do, 
you might spend making a better decision or a better quality decision. Remember the example of the laptop that I broke and I need to get a new laptop today? Well, if I had three or four days or a week to buy a laptop, maybe I would find a better one. Maybe I'd find the right one at a better price. But I don't have the time. And what your brain is doing with cognitive bias is it's making decisions for you quickly so that you can move on to the next thing you've got to get done. And because cognitive bias affects every single one of us, every single one of us, smart marketers know this and they use this to their advantage through things like price anchoring and a number of other e-com tactics we're going to get to in the series to stimulate you and your brain to make that decision faster. Why? Because if you make that decision right now, you're, you've bought that product from me. You haven't gone to my competitor's website. So let's talk about the buying decision now, and then we'll get into how price anchoring works. Just to keep you on time, we're at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock your time. No problem. The way consumers make buying decisions, and this may surprise some of you, is mostly by a process of elimination as opposed to a process of intentionally choosing something. And that is a subconscious, unconscious action. I'm going to give you an example. Because if you have any doubt about something, is this the right one for me? It's easier to say no. It's safer to say no than to spend your hard-earned money making what could be the wrong decision. You can always come back tomorrow and say yes. But once you've bought it, you've bought it. So I'm going to go back to the laptop example. Let's suppose I have a little bit of time. I don't need to rush out right now and get a laptop. I've got a couple of days or a week before I need to have a new laptop. Well, changes the whole ballgame. So I can think for an hour, two hours, a couple of days. What is it that I really, really need in a laptop? Well. I travel a lot, so I want it to be light. So I'm not going to buy a 12-pound Alienware. I also need the battery to last long because I get on airplanes a lot. You know, something that's going to use up the battery in 45 minutes or an hour, it's not going to work well for me. Um, I do a lot of spreadsheets. So I need something that's got a keypad that has a, a number pad on. And I'm going to go through all the things that I really need. And then I'm going to look at the laptops that are out there and available to me. And I'm going to say, oh, that looks really nice. Oh, wait a second. It doesn't have a keypad, a number pad. So I'm eliminating that. It's not in my realm of, of final options. I call this the beauty contest. And your objective as a marketer is to make sure that your product or your service gets to the semifinals and then the finals of the beauty contest. 
Because if you get eliminated in the first round, you're dead. It's over. So when people, consumers, prospects, clients, have an opportunity to spend more time making their buying decision, the likelihood of them eliminating more choices increases. And the likelihood of you being one of those choices that they eliminate for whatever reason also increases. And price anchoring is a way to speed up the process to reduce the risk of elimination. And we go back to the three factors that I talked about before. How severe is the consumer's need for the product? What's the cost range? Is it a low cost item or a high cost item? Because high cost items have a higher risk if I make a bad decision. If I spend 30 bucks and I bought the wrong product, it's not the end of the world for me. If I spend $25,000 on something and it's the wrong product or service, I've bought myself some problems. $25,000 is a lot of money. So level of cost, where does your product fit in? That's going to impact how you price anchor. And what's the risk of making the wrong decision? If I buy the, uh, you know, a, bottle, a new bottle of vitamin water and I hate the flavor, big deal, I'm out $1.99. But if I pick the wrong college to send my kid to, I got a serious problem. If I buy the wrong house because I didn't have it inspected and the foundation is rotten, I got a real problem. So the risk of making a decision and the cost go together, but they're not completely the same. They impact how price anchoring is used. So let's get into the, putting the rubber on the road. Price anchoring takes a lot of different shapes and flavors and colors. And it can be complex, it can be difficult, it can be risky to make a decision as we just went through with customers, right? There's less risky and more risky, less difficult, more difficult. And because of that, there are actually dozens of different tactics, price anchoring. We have the simple sale anchoring, we have subscription anchoring, value anchoring, shame anchoring, decoy pricing, and one of my favorites, the squeeze. And each one of these is going to either be more or less effective for your product or your service based on the three factors, need, of the consumer for your product, cost, tier, and risk to the consumer or the buyer of making the wrong decision. So what we're gonna do is gonna look at a few simple examples of price anchoring today to set the stage for the next couple of sessions where I'm going to actually show you the math behind creating price anchoring so you can decide which one is best for you. 
So this is the simplest one of all called the sale anger. And the sale tactic is probably the most common price anchoring tactic used in all of e-commerce. It's simple, it's clean, it's easy to understand. Let's say I want to get $300 for my product. And I hang a price tag on it, whether it's on a rack in a store at Nordstrom's or it's on a website, product, $300. Well, now I'm asking the consumer to make a value judgment. Is this worth $300? Is it worth $300 to me? Can I get the same thing someplace else for $200? So we use the sale anchor where we say regularly $1,000 this weekend only, Black Friday, $300. This is an over-exaggerated example, but you can see right away that the $1,000 that's crossed out becomes the anchor. It's the first thing we see, which is why it's called an anchor, because it sets our expectation in our brain. This is happening subconsciously, where our brain is saying, oh, this product is regularly $1,000, but we can get it today for 300. Wow, that seems like a pretty good deal to me. What we don't do is we don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, sure, $1,000. They, they just made that up. Subconsciously, we may say, yeah, maybe they raised it a little bit. They bumped it up to make the difference between the anchor, the regular price, and the sale price look bigger. But we don't dwell on that. What our brain sees is used to be 1000 now it's 300. That's a great deal. Why wouldn't I buy it? If, go back to the other factors, if I need the product. Here's another example. I can get the basic service of whatever the service is regularly, crossed out, $29. Now, only $20. For a limited time. Well, now we're starting to get into ancillary factors that surround the anchoring. The limited time aspect is not part of price anchoring. The price anchoring here is that this is a $29 product that I can get for $20. Okay. I'm saving money. That's the sale price anchoring. We see this all the time on every website, right? Regularly crossed out, now only. And guess what? <clears throat> While it does work, it only works in lower tier products primarily. If your product is over $500 to $1,000, your sale is probably going to have to be pretty damn significant for this tactic to work. Because the consumer is going to take more time making their decision. They're going to do more research. So if you're making up a regular price of $5,000 and today it's only $3,000, and you see this on webinars and you know e-commerce consulting programs all the time, 
it's not going to work as well. The other thing is that consumers are numb. They've seen sales. Everybody has seen a sale. Sales go on all the time. Every website you go to has a sale. Used to be 30, now it's 25. Used to be 200, now it's 100 and a quarter. All the time, we're numb to this. It doesn't have the impact it used to have. So we move on to the next very commonly, overly commonly used, the subscription anchor. The subscription anchor is based on the concept of I'm trading with you. The merchant is trading with the consumer. I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to give you something and you're going to give me something. I'm going to give you the opportunity to save money and a decent amount of money in return for you giving me the confidence that I'm going to continue to collect money from you over a longer period of time. This isn't a one-time sale. So while here we have Duolingo, the language training program, one month, $12.99, I could get it for 12 months for just a little more than half price. Almost, you know, 50% you know, is pretty big savings. And if I'm really interested in learning a language that goes back to the need, do I, I'm, I'm moving to Italy and I don't speak a word of Italian. Or I have a client in, in Japan and, you know, I'd love to learn a few words of Japanese. I have a need. I'm likely to dive into this and want it for more than one month. So the savings becomes even more attractive on a subscription basis. But do I need a subscription for vitamin water? to save 20 cents a bottle? No, because there's 86 flavors. I don't know which one I want. Maybe I want to vary it. Maybe I want to try this vitamin water and a different brand of vitamin water. So we go back to need. We go back to risk. What's the risk? $6.99 a month? It's not the end of the world if the program is horrible. So the subscription anchor works in some cases and is completely a waste in other cases. In fact, next time, I'm going to show you an example of how offering a subscription actually will kill your e-commerce. Here's another example of subscription. $39 a month. Ah, but if I pay for the whole year, it's only $3.99. I wind up saving 15%. Mm, 15%, 15%. Is that enough money for me to save on a $400 purchase today? Eh, you know what? Maybe I want to look at another service. Two years? You're asking me to make a two-year commitment to save 20%? I have a question on your statement about subscriptions kill e-commerce. Yeah. Are you talking about an annual paid up front or a per month? Because I, that's a bold statement. Yep, it is a bold statement. Very bold. So in e-commerce, and this, and I will add the very famous phrase, it depends. <laughs> it depends on 
we talked earlier about the replenishment cadence of your product, mm -hmm. right? So if I have a product that I am likely to use up, let's say I buy a bottle of supplements, okay? I take um, an iron supplement mm -hmm. and it's one capsule a day. And I buy a bottle and the bottle has 30 capsules in it, right? So that bottle should last me one month. So if I buy that on subscription, where they're going to ship me a bottle once a month, that kind of makes sense to me, right? Because I'm using it the way it should be used. One, one day, 30 in the bottle. I use it up in a month. We're all good. Send me one every month. I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. However, I have found that in products where the consumption cadence varies, like bottles of water, maybe today I'll drink two bottles, maybe tomorrow I'll drink three, maybe the next day I'm not feeling great, I won't drink any, I'll be sleeping, right? right. Or I'll be traveling. So where the usage cadence varies, a much better strategy to increase the frequency of purchase is by using something like an email sequence, where two weeks after I bought the first one, I'll get an email with a BOGO offer. Or buy three and get two free. Or whatever special offer happens, I can actually sell you more of a product than I would on a subscription where I know I'm sending you one bottle a month. Mm -hmm. So in certain cases, subscription hurts your total sales because the customer is expecting another bottle in two more weeks. Why would I buy one today when I know another one's coming in a week or two? So you kill your ability to upsell. Got it. Okay, carry on. Okay. This is one of my favorites. This is the Squeeze. And this is a company that makes a, um, a no tobacco hemp cigarette alternative. But they're using what I call the Squeeze Play Anchor for price anchoring. It's a little more complex it's probably the single most effective if, again, that phrase, it depends, if your product fits in. This is not a $1,000 product. It's 15 bucks for one, right? So if you bought one and you hated it, you're out $15 at worst, big deal. It's not the end of your life. But by doing the squeeze play anchor, Something very interesting is happening here. And I'm going to dive into this one a little more. You'll see that there are three choices. I can buy one unit. I can buy two units and I get one free. Or I can buy three units and get two of them for free. Now, you can use this for a thousand different types of products, bottles of water, boxes of chocolate, 
um, candy bars, anything, mm. supplements, all sorts of products. Let's take a closer look at to what's going on here. 10 minutes, just so you know. Thank you. The squeeze play enables me as a marketer to decide in advance where my consumer is going to land. I can tell you if the squeeze play anchor is properly structured, and this is going to be next week's lesson as to how to price this, that anywhere between 50 and 70% of all purchases are going to be the middle option. Consistently. Let's think about this for a second. I'm going to blow this up and show you why. And next week, we're going to talk about how do you price this? And why does the pricing model really matter? So if I buy one unit, and it's $14.99 for one unit. But I buy two and I get it free one. What's happening here? I'm paying for two of them. So two times, let's round it. Two times 15 is 30 bucks. So I'm paying 30 bucks, but I'm getting three. So I'm saving. 15 bucks because I'm getting a free one. What am I saving here? Do the math. 33%. One third is free. So I'm saving 33%. That's a nice savings. It's a respectable amount of money to save on a low-priced product. Now let's look at the big offer. I buy three, I get two of them for free. That sounds like a bigger offer. So I'm paying for three. Three times 15 is 45. I'm actually saving 30 bucks. That's a nice savings on a $15 product. But what am I saving here? Two out of five is 40%. So here I'm paying 100%. Here I'm saving 33%. That's a big jump. And here I'm only saving 40%. Have you tested and put, instead of putting dollar amounts, putting like dollar amounts and percents? Yes. And what does better? Dollar amount always does better because you don't have to, Re, you don't have to do a second calculation in your head. The brain subconsciously, the brain yeah. subconsciously says, oh, one third is free. A third is 33%. The brain subconsciously says two out of five, 40%. That happens have you tried in both? nanoseconds. Have you tried putting like the percentage on there and the yes. price? Yes. In fact, you know the product that I tried that with because you worked with me on it, right? Mm -hmm. That was the supplement product we did. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happens here, remember I talked about 
cognitive bias, subconscious, unconscious process. The brain is saying, I don't want to pay the highest per unit price. I feel like I'm getting ripped off. I'm paying full retail. But I don't want to pay the highest total ticket price. So I'm being squeezed, which is why we call it the squeeze play. I'm being squeezed from here to the middle and from here to the middle. And 50 to 70% of all purchases of this product happen right here. So what I'm going to leave you with is the mathematics behind this is what makes your AOV and your LTV have the magic. Here's the magic. This price here is higher than I, as the merchant, would normally price the product at if I was only showing one by one unit. Here, if I'm paying 30 bucks and I'm getting three packs, the consumer is actually paying $10 per, per right? That's the target price the merchant wants to get. So you start by pricing out the middle of the squeeze play. You make it slightly better for the bigger purchase, but not that much better that it's too attractive. And you make it slightly less attractive in your MSRP for the single unit and 50 to 70% go here. And it works every single time. Okay. So in the next session, I'm going to show you four other price anchoring techniques. I'm going to give you a set of criteria to know which tactic is going to work best for your specific product or service, kind of like a fill in the blanks. It's going to give you the answer. I'm going to show you the math of how to set up your pricing and structuring to get the highest AOV. And I absolutely guarantee you the way you're pricing your product now is not the right way to do it. That's a bold statement too, but I'm going to change the way you think about pricing next time. I'm going to show you the metrics that you need to monitor. And they're not what you think they are. It's not oh, yeah. AOV. I would think for me, when you say that, I would want to see if I'm the merchant, like thinking, okay, I want to set these bundles up because I can like shipping costs, like the, you Go know, on. that Keep kind going. of thing. What else besides shipping like, costs? Uh, <laughs> There's one you more. Know, well, you got shipping, you have the price to actually package for people to package multiple right. packages. You're all in cost. Yep. Cogs, basically. But your total not, cogs, not, not yeah. just your yeah. cogs of manufacturing, your total Correct. cogs, right? Yeah. Which yeah. also has to include your cost of acquiring the customer. So yeah. it's your effective 
COGS. It's COA yep. plus COG. Right? But there's one more factor, which is volume. If I can make 100 sales a day, as opposed to 50 sales a day, just make the math real simple. And I've priced it properly to get the price I want to get. I've doubled my revenue. Me, but can you say that again? I don't know if it was you or me. I heard volume and then that was it. If I price my product properly. Yep. So that I get the price I really want to get for it. After I've calculated my COGS, my full COGS, and I've marked it up the markup I want, whether it's 100%, 200%, 400%, whatever it is. If I price my product correctly and I price anchor so that's the choice people take. Yep. If I can make 100 sales a day as opposed to 50 sales a day, I've doubled my revenue at the price point I want to get. Got it. Okay. That's okay. price anchoring really, really, really works if you do it right. Got it. It impacts all your other KPIs. It's your AOV. It's your LTV. It's your frequency of purchase. It's your net margin. It's everything. Okay. So in the PDF, if you need help in the meantime, there's my email address. And I will look forward to seeing you next week on Price Anchoring Part 2. And All on Price right. Anchoring Part 2, we'll actually rip right into the mathematics of this, in addition to showing you four other killer price anchoring approaches. Okay, sounds good. Call me after your meeting so we can set up a time and then I have something else to go over with you. Okay, so. I'm going to be uh, gone for several hours and I'll call you this afternoon. Uh, I yeah. saw the other email come in. Okay, perfect. I just want to get the time squared away for that, all, everything. So let's get all that. Yeah, out. so you can go ahead and send him that piece of paper. I did, I did. Oh, okay. Let's and then later. we're going to get started the day after New Year's. Yep. Let's chat later about it. And then you can talk to him and stuff. So, okay. okay. Well, I appreciate it, Marty, for everything that you do for us. Uh, just want to say thank you. And I look forward to setting up the next time for week three. So yeah, this is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Justin. Good luck. Good luck.